Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome on back to another edition of the morning after. A few minutes after nine o'clock, we had to have Soundgarden, I guess, carry on for four minutes. So we kind of just, you know, we were hey, stuck. it doesn't hurt my morning to listen to a little Soundgarden, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not upset at all. We were stuck in a little, uh, little rut there between eight fifty-eight, nine o three. I chose the latter. I don't know. Anywho, but we're now on. We're good. We're here to go. Um, as the first of the month leads us on in every morning here on the morning after. I am Tyler Trumbauer, your Monday through Friday man here on the morning after, and with me your Monday my when Monday Wednesday Friday guide. Uh, the dog Tubby is in the building as well. Uh, he's fresh off the Cleveland Browns game yesterday. We'll certainly touch on that more likely in the last two segments of today's show. Uh, Mike Fenner, the man, the myth, the legend, is. Supposed to be with us as well, as advertised, um, except he's not here. Well, perhaps he got caught in traffic. Right. Um, what was this? An East Normal Street, I believe it's called? Uh, yeah, no, and they're repaving it. They're, they're stripping they're it They're milling it is, is, is what it's called. The milling the of milling East it. Normal Street that was supposed to take place last week is now taking place Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right outside our windows here in the studio. I can, I can watch these construction men not work from this seat. <laughs> Um, so actually I do see some trim trucks moving, so they're out there working by two o'clock. They're never working. Is that why it feels like a sauna up in here? Well, yeah, because I mean, we don't we, have, the, windows we don't have the window open true, because right. I don't want to have the milling, you know, going on in the studio. But so, uh, if you're in the Edinburgh area, you got to avoid East normal street. It's completely blocked off. So it's, you know, it makes driving around campus a little bit weirder. Basically the only people that are allowed on this street are people that are live on this street about the five houses that are right in front of us here. Um, those individuals are allowed to get to their homes, um, but they don't have their cars there. So they're just, I don't think, they're just walking there. So uh, just uh, make note of that on your commute if that's going to affect you for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I believe they should be done then. And then hopefully be completely done with this road. That was a disaster and a half. I mean, that the bumpiness of that road to have people drive on that was ridiculous. I right. mean, especially during school year. Like, right. you couldn't do it when there's not a lot of traffic in the summer. That just didn't make a lot of sense to me. But anywho, I'm not I'm not in charge, and we all know PennDOT construction, you know, never is the smartest. Um, I don't even think it's PennDOT. I think it's a private contractor because PennDOT only handles, like, uh, big roads. Right. Like state roads and stuff. Right. East Normal Street's not a state road. Right. Correct. That would be a city road, which gotcha. means it has to be contracted and voted on through the city council. Alrighty, there you go. There's your ordinances from Tubby. Um, so anyway, so that's going on out there. I doubt that's the reason why he's not here, but we'll we'll, we'll find out for real if and when Mr. Fenner tunes or comes on in. And the reason we want Mr. Fenner here is because we want to talk Borough football. Speaking and of Mr. Speaking Fen- of Mr. Fenner, oh, with with the maybe tit- with, with the, the Titans, Titans jersey. jersey on, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Fenner walking in the building. He looks a little frazzled. It doesn't take much for him to be frazzled as Tubby's giving him a, an ovation as he walks in a few minutes late. You know, you know I'm going to say, what does what one of the professors in journalism say? When the news starts at 6, it starts at 6, not 6.06, Mr. Fenner. But nonetheless, let's turn this mic on and let this fine young chap explain himself and his tardiness here for the morning after because apparently, Mr. Tubby, we are not important enough to be on time for Fenner, the floor is yours. <laughs> it's, it's his station. He does what he wants. Uh, it's the road. Yeah, the road. Ready for that. Kept forgetting it was closed, so I had to go all the way around. Ridiculous, all the way around Macomb. Not fun. Not a good start to the day, but it's okay because yesterday was great. 
Yesterday was great for the Tennessee Titans, and uh, we'll talk on that later, hopefully, with Mr. Fenner. Before he leaves, maybe he'll stay till 9.37 to make up for his seven minutes. I don't know. I'll stay till 10. I'll, he'll I'll stay till whole, 10. He's going to go yeah. the whole hour. Oh, oh, so I'll go the whole 53 for The you. whole 53. He, he's long in it here at the morning after. Finally. All right, so there you go. We're going to have the GM here for the entire the morning after. If you'll have me. Because he's, of course, because he's all he's all amped up, of course. So, I mean, if the Titans lost yesterday, he probably wouldn't have even come in. He would have texted Oh, me. and me and... Me and Fenner are going to have words because next week, next Sunday, is the big matchup for WFSE. It's the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland versus Fenner's Tennessee Titans. Truth. We're going to have to make a bet. Yeah. You're going to have to do something silly if the Browns win, and I will do something even sillier if the Titans win. We'll have to manufacture that today or tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to have to figure that one out. We'll get we'll get on that. Um, so anyway, now that Mr. Fenner is here, as I was about saying, is that we want to talk Burrow football here to start off the day, obviously. You know, we got to go chronologically. Saturday, Burrow football, Sunday, NFL. So we'll start off on Saturday with the weekend for Burrow football. And if you hadn't heard, lived under a rock, don't really know. Um, Edinburgh <coughs> lost 20-13 to to the visiting Shippensburg Red Raiders, who moved to 2-0 overall. The Scots fall to 0-2 on the season. Uh, as I mentioned, the final score, 20-13 to at the half. 13 to 3. Or excuse, yeah, 13 to 3. Edinburgh led this one at the break. Um, just almost like last week or week 1, excuse me, against St. Joe's, Edinburgh looked to be in a great position going into the locker room and then after that it kind of just uh you know, the second half wasn't there. It's only, I believe, a field goal via Austin Reese was the only scoring in the second half in that one. But nonetheless, Shippensburg 17 unanswered points as the Red Raiders go on to victory in this one. Just kind of I mean, looking back at the whole thing, it was a, it was an interesting game. I mean, there really wasn't a rhythm to it. It was kind of weird. The weather picked up in the second half, the wind, the rain. I mean, it wasn't a pretty day to begin with. It was, I mean, then you had Jake Sisson going. I mean, it was just, I mean, Mr. Fenner, have you still kind of boiled this one down yet? Because there's a lot of just weird facets to this contest yeah that was a really strange football game I think you said it right when you said there wasn't a lot of flow to it it, it just kind of I don't know there was something funky going on out there it didn't seem to have any sort of rhythm and then with the last three minutes of the game I don't think anybody could have foreseen that that was going to be a scenario to arise uh, and the person that really couldn't have seen that coming the most was John Gervin who comes in in relief of Jake Sisson I uh, talked to him after the game and he was very, very honest with me, very black and white, and said, I wasn't ready for that. I was not ready for the two-minute drill, uh, had not practiced that at all, and was kind of thrown into a situation where it was, you know, it's go time, it's go time and you, you can't really do anything about it. Got to got to keep going, can't look back. Uh, but he was thrust into a very, very difficult situation, and that was really something we didn't expect to see, and he clearly didn't expect to have happen to him. Right, and that's uh, it was very clear, and, you know, I get the uh – I get the privilege or, you know, I'm lucky enough to uh, get to go over some highlights that we have taken um, by ETV so I can put together a little highlight package. And I get to see, you know, video not from, you know, the broadcast um, perspective of what the people are seeing on our ETV uh, feed, but from a sidelines type of view. And you can just tell by the way he threw. It looks like he hadn't thrown a football in a while. It looked like he was tossing some pigskin to his younger brother in a backyard and was trying not to throw it too hard because I know when I threw it at my younger brother too hard, he's like, why are you throwing it so hard? But then he found a softer football so he could stop crying. So um, as, I di- as I digress, it's just basically he did not look like he was ready to be a quarterback in a Division II football game. No. So, I mean, that's obviously not something you want. Um, but nonetheless, he was there. Um, two 
uh, drives, I believe, right? Or one drive, two drives? Two drives, two yeah. dri- I mean, he had to finish the one, and then he had a whole second one himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so three for three completions, nine attempts, 29 yards. Uh, I mean, you could say no picks, I guess. That's a, that's a positive for Mr. Gervin. But uh, obviously, I mean, he wasn't a quarterback. He wasn't a quarterback. He was not, he was he there was the John and Jake quarterback competition in spring and then poof that disappeared because Gervin went to tight end and then he was tight end at week 1 and then you and I get told as we head to the field well we saw it you saw you texted me you saw it on the two deep that he was now the second string quarterback and I got told you know going to the stadium Saturday morning Gervin's now the quarterback and I was like Alrighty, so I mean, obviously the man completely changed positions again. So let alone was he not, you know, rarely is a quarter is a backup ready to go into a game, you know, especially cold like that. Especially right. but w- when you're changing from potential tight end, defensive end to quarterback is quite different as well. But anyway, let's get into that one because that's that was obviously the end. But there was a lot of other facets to this game. Um, just going over, just you know, a, a, it was a scoreless first quarter, not a very quick first quarter, but a lot of Shippensburg was pinned deep in Edinburgh's own territory. Really couldn't get anything going. Great defensive play by Edinburgh. I think all four quarters. I don't even care, you know, that they gave up 17 unanswered in the second half. I look at the goose eggs in the second half from Edinburgh's right. offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, Burrow's defense, I think, did a decent job in week one and just even stepped up their game in week two. And that's without Mike Shansky, which if you haven't, if you didn't listen to the game on Saturday, Mike Shansky, you know, one of these leaders, one of the few seniors on this squad, only three of them played on Saturday. Coach Browning made a visit to us on the press box and made that note. Um, said three seniors started. He now is hurt. I believe that's a... A right, I'm just guessing right elbow wrist. I think more wrist because he just has a cast on his right arm type of thing. Uh, he's done for the year. Yeah, if it doesn't go up to the shoulder, then that means it's a wrist forearm injury. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Edinburgh camp not telling us the injury, but that's what we're guessing. Um, and he's done for the year. Uh, but he does get a medical red shirt, so he will be back for 2016 to hopefully have his final campaign for Edinburgh. But what do you what do you think about the defensive unit, Fenner? I think uh, was the top unit across the board for Edinburgh on Saturday. Yeah, no, they were terrific, and I think it really was a testament to the way they played when they had a fourth down and goal from the one stand. I mean, four straight plays right after a defensive hold in the end zone, which is a huge deflation. Uh, of, of what they were doing defensively. It was a third-and-goal play. They get the defensive hold called on them. So then they have to stop Shippensburg four straight plays from the one. One thing we did talk about, though, is in a 13-13 game, I mean, even though Shippensburg did feel like they needed to put points on the board on a 76-yard drive, they didn't go for the field goal. They went for it, which was kind of a questionable call at the time, considering it was 13-all in the fourth. But Edinburgh comes up with, with a stand on four straight plays to turn them over on downs. I was completely impressed with that. And I felt like after that stand, they really had a great shot to win it. It was just that the offense didn't help them out because you got to take advantage of those opportunities. Right. I mean, the defense, as you said, stood tall for four straight plays near the goal line. Unbelievable. Amped up team on the sidelines afterwards. And I watched, uh, again, I'm going to go back to the, you know, the tape here. I watched that last fourth down where he went for it and – and the running back goes up over the pile, he was darn close. I'm not going to lie. I watched that about five times because in my first look, I thought he was in. Mm -hmm. He was that close. But the thing, like, he was that close. He was just inches away from the goal line. So that was an unbelievable stop um, by the defense there, as you mentioned. And, you know, this defense, you know, was missing Shansky, Gabe Tillman on Saturday. It was a very different unit, very – like we said youth all around the board, but that was the youngest I think this team's ever been, and they played 
a heck of a – I think that's the best I've seen Burrow defense play maybe my entire life. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's only going for a year and two games, but that was a heck of a defensive stand. Um, I, I saw a stat over the weekend, Mr. Fenner. I'm just going to bring it up real quick. I sent it to you. You're taking my role now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you know, I've got I got to figure this out. But, you know, <laughs> one thing is uh, Shippensburg scored 21-plus points and th- three touchdowns in 22 straight games dating back to the 2013 season opener when they were shut out. Burrow ended that streak on Saturday. Nice. 22 straight games of at least 21 points and three touchdowns. Very impressive. Gone. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Shippensburg high-powered offense. I said that on Saturday. Right, because they— Always known for that. Because they blew out their opener. They had, what, like 64 points they scored on their opener against their opening opponent? Right. And it was So for them to come here and our defense to hold them that well, Mm -hmm. I think makes a statement. Now, does this—the renewed— energy on the defense and this change up on offense does this give you guys a renewed hope i don't for for edinburgh football i mean does this project that we're gonna get better coming on down the line or is it just the opponents are just gonna get that much tougher and they're gonna have to i don't know find some type of miracle juice or what i'll let you take that first if you want um i mean the defense is a heck of a unit um, I mean, very concerned about Mike Shansky. Terrible loss for the team and for him. You know, he's such a great guy. But, I mean, it's the defense, I think, is going to be like that all year long. They might not play that. I mean, they played an A near A-plus game for Burrow on, on, on Saturday. I don't think you're, you're going to get close to that, but you're not going to get that type of game every Saturday, week in and week out. It, the question marks still lie within the offense. I mean, the – you got to be able to run the football, and this team cannot run the football. The bottom line, you can't get 59 yards. They were statistically the worst team running the ball in the conference a year ago, and that has not changed through two weeks. They still just can't run the football. And if you're not going to be able to run the football, everybody knows that. Week in and week out, they know Burrow can't run. So until you're able to run the ball, or unless Sisson figures out a way to just rip up defenses – which is really hard to do when you can't run the ball, mm-hmm. it's going to be tough offensively. I don't know. I mean, I still think there's a lot of issues to be figured out. I don't think there's a there's a newfound hope with Burrow football yet through two weeks. Yeah, uh, and I think this upcoming matchup with East Stroudsburg is going to be quite a bear for this Edinburgh defense as well. Matt Soltes, you're talking about one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the PSAC and certainly in Warriors history. He's got some great targets, too, in John Schnars and Gerard Wendowski, both at six foot three. Uh, really some beam poles out there that he can throw the football to. I think that's going to be a remarkable test because Zapatiki was tough, had a great week one, but you know what? I think we got our answers. I think that was more about the opponent in Seton Hill right. than anything else, and I think uh, maybe his, his time to shine isn't quite there yet either. You can see the flashes from Zapatiki, but I think maybe – it's going to take some more time for him in that offense to flourish. But I think with East Stroudsburg, you're talking about proven guys that have gotten it done. Uh, and we saw quite a bit of offense from that team here at Sox Harrison Stadium about a year ago in that Week 3 matchup. So that's going to be a tough crossover. And with how well the defense has played through the first two weeks, I'm impressed. But get ready because Week 3 is going to be a big, big, tall challenge. Right, it will be. I mean, Zapatiki, to your point, 21 for 39, 227 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Not much doing for Zapatiki in this one. I mean, they did use a little bit of a two-quarterback system. One time they threw in the bigger guy um, at the goal line where Edinburgh stuffed them, we mentioned before. But Zapatiki's going to – he's nothing great. Um, I mean, Seton Hill is a, is a very inferior opponent in the PSAC, and obviously he can tear them up. 
Uh, Jake Sisson, his line, 18 for 32 again, coming off what was that, 45 pass attempts a week ago, 32. And that's without him, you know, being in that final drive and a half. So add Gervin's into that, that's nine. You could say, you know, he would have had another 40-plus pass attempts again this week, which I don't think is anything Scott Browning and company wants to do in this one. But when you're only going to run the ball for a net of, you know, what, 45 yards or whatever I said. 59. 59 yards. Yeah. Well, 59 yards is including Sisson in those sacks and everything. <laughs> I hate. True. I hate that college football does that. Yeah. But um, I it's, don't disagree. It's it's you know interesting to see what this team's gonna <clears throat> gonna do with that. So we're gonna hit our first break here. We'll come back. Maybe get a little bit more positive. There is one guy that um that one that had an outstanding Saturday, and the conference recognized him. So we'll talk about that and some other positive facets, and pr- maybe preview the uh, the historic. Uh, matchup that will be this Saturday between East Stroudsburg and Edinburgh on the gridiron. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue after this here on the morning after. And we shake it on back here, 924 on the morning after here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. Also on Edinburgh now, 24-7, 365 on the TuneIn app on mobile devices. As Tubby said this morning on Facebook, which I really liked. I'm going to steal it, Tubby. Okay. I, I, I forget what you said, but I really liked that your last line on your post. You said, we are everywhere you are. Right. And I like that. We are everywhere you are. Places you don't want us to be, we're there. We don't you mess want us to be there. Twenty four seven. You have actual access to us. Twenty four seven. Not actual access. I don't want people to be like access. I'm talking you. about to eighty eight point nine WFSC oh. Fighting Scots Radio. Oh, I thought you meant not me. you personally. No, nobody wants to. I don't. See I don't you think people actually want to access me. No, that's why you'll never be on Big Brother. I'm just saying. It's big. Br- you mean like that CBS show? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Isn't it like Big Brother like 87 too? Like I don't know what's higher, Kids Bop now or Big Brother. Like or which Survivor. Or Survivor. But they don't number Survivor. Survivor's either. still good TV. Survivor just changes the country it is. So it's like Survivor like Hong Kong. Well, they don't go to Hong Kong. They go to like You know what? They should shoot places. Survivor here in Edinburgh during the winter. Let's yes, see them survive that. That is a great that. idea. Yeah. Put them on a camp right out there next to Fake Lake behind Macomb. Yes. Yeah, we should participate like in CBS. I'd watch that. That's I'd, top I'd be back notch. on Survivor. That would be that Tubby. That's the best thing you've ever said. That's what I'm saying. Continuing back. <laughs> that's to why Bur- I'm here, boss. Thank you, Tubby. <laughs> Continuing back to Borough football here. Um, they're trying to survive the, the tough PSAC schedule they have, and so far not so good. Zero and two um, with this one. You know, Darren Massey still doing Darren Massey things. Twelve passes. Um, 12 catches of passes for 195 yards and a touchdown. The touchdown being a Gervin went in, <laughs> being a 51-yard screen catch and run to the end zone. Uh, the lone touchdown for the Scots, and uh, you know Sisson did have a career high for 257 yards. But when you're going to throw it that many times, I would hope you would get a lot of yards on that one. So, you know. Only 132 yards the Scots amassed in the second half here, Fenner. What were kind of some last, you know, thoughts you have exiting the Shippensburg game as I don't like to dwell on the negatives too much? I think you saw a lot of halftime adjustments from Ship and on both sides of the ball. I would say specifically on offense, they really look like they got some more juice and some something really sparked for them. But defensively also, they put down the clamps more. And, you know, it also comes back to being one-dimensional because I think they tried – in the first half to run it a little bit. Uh, but I think in the second half, they kind of just gave up on it and, and ran away from it. R- ran away from running, I would say. Uh, yeah. And just continue to be one-dimensional, and that really makes it difficult to move the chain. <coughs> right. Um, of course. And, um, you know, moving on, in, I, I, a positive in this one was obviously Austin Reese, Edinburgh's place kicker, um, doing, doing a fabulous job. He had a pair of field goals, which I predicted off air. But Mr. Fenner would back me up. 
Yeah, he did. I predicted he would have a pair of field goals in this contest. Um, he was named the PSAC West Special Teams Player of the Week. Now, according to the conference, this was a special game overall because Billy Dean, Shippensburg's place kicker, was named the PSAC East Special Teams Player of the Week. So, um, a lot of a lot of kicking, I guess, was the was the the. The underlying theme in this one. But nonetheless, Reese, in his first season as Burroughs place kicker, transferred from St. Francis before last season, had to sit out. Um, that one, Paul Ortiz, Spencer Howell having the kicking duties for the Scots a year ago. No, none of them, I believe, are still on the team. Anyway, uh, the 43-yarder, uh, he had a 43-yarder and a 27-yarder did Reese on Saturday in a loss. He became Burroughs' first kicker to make two field goals in a game since 2013 when T.J. Hardy made a pair against the mighty Seton Hill Griffins. And also, the 43-yarder was the first field goal of 40 or more yards by an Edinburgh kicker since Sean Seafelts. I remember him. That was Do my you? first year. 42-yarder he kicked against The Rock mm -hmm. in 2012. So he's doing a great job. And also, Reese has the punting duties for the Scots as well. Averages 33 yards on, he averaged 33 yards on six punts in uh, the game on Saturday, and Saturday wasn't a very easy game to kick. Um, he did have a couple pop-ups, I'm not going to lie on that one, but he did do a decent job, and uh, he's now 3 or 4 on the year in two games on extra or on field goals, and the one was just he had the distance. I think it was a 46-yarder I think he attempted. Had the distance, just didn't have the accuracy. So, And he's averaging 38.2 yards, yards on 12 punts, put 4 inside the 20 thus far. So... Austin Reese, I mean, it's kind of interesting to say, but I think really the special teams has been the bright spot overall if you're taking encompassing the first two weeks of the season because, A, Austin Reese is doing a great job punting and kicking, and, two, there has not been any mental mistakes from this special teams unit. The return game last year was so questionable. The trying to jump up and get balls that are bouncing in front of you and how many times did we drop it right at the one-yard line or, mm -hmm. you know, something that should have been touched back. I think Darren Massey took one out of the end zone last or on Saturday he shouldn't have. But, I mean, he was just trying to make, you know, he's trying to hit a home run like you do in baseball sometimes. But I think, I don't know if you agree, Mr. Fenner, special teams, I think, has to take the nod as the win for the first two weeks of the season. The only, uh, the only exception I'll make is the one muffed punt from Massey that nearly resulted in a turnover late That's in the game. That's yes. true. That was an, a miscue that I think we saw coming with his backpedal. Um, very tough to try and catch the, the punt return there. Right. Uh, otherwise, I agree, though. They have been a bright spot. And with an offense that's got a lot of youth and inexperience and that hasn't been able to put up points, you know, you're, you're averaging far under 20 points a game, uh, you're going to need those guys to step up. And, and that can be an extra weapon and element to your game if you've got a field goal kicker that can actually kick it from good distances. Right. I mean, and they're not afraid to try. They tried that 46-yarder on Thursday. They, they you know, tried other things. So uh, they're, they're now willing and know they have the capability to make those longer field goals, which is a great asset to have, especially if the offense isn't going to be finishing drives like that. So nonetheless, that is a loss for the uh, Scots. Uh, they fall to 0-2 on the season. Now they're going to hit the road for the first time of 2015 as they head east for their last crossover game. Now remember, uh, Mr. Fenner reminded me of this on Saturday on the broadcast. These games do not count towards conference records. They are conference opponents, but they do not count towards a conference record. Only divisional conference opponents count towards the record. So keep that in mind, Tubby. So they're still just overall. We're still just overall records right now. Owen two. When they come home 
And they have, who do they have the week after that, Mr. Fenner? I'm Cal. Cal, that's right. <clears throat> they have Cal back here on that, on that Saturday. I can't believe I forgot. I, for some reason, I was thinking IUP. We go to IUP the week after. Following week, yeah. For their homecoming. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, home, that will be the first PSAC West opener. Um, but ESU, they fell, too, to SRU in the uh, showcase game of the week. Uh, disgusting game conditions in that one. Rain, windy, mm-hmm. terrible. On ESPN3, though, so whatever that's worth. But uh, I believe what was that? That was a that was a thirty-four to nine. Right, yeah, that was win. not close at all. It was like twenty-one to three at the half or something like that too. Yeah. Um, so the SRU, the defending conference champion, showing that they still haven't missed a step from a year ago. Um, and ESU is now still winless as well this year. You know, we mentioned Soltes and all, and you talked about the weapons he has. But nonetheless, ESU is still without a win in 2015, Mr. Fenner. That's mm-hmm. kind of surprising through two weeks. Yeah, uh, maybe we need some rain on Saturday. Maybe we got to make some up if we can't get it on the weather because uh, that can really slow down an effective passing attack that, like you said, couldn't really get things going on Saturday because of that rain and because of the horrible conditions if you saw that. Right. Uh, so Soltes and company couldn't take off and limited to nine points. Um, but you talked about it before the break, very historic football game for East Stroudsburg on their side. 800th game in program history on Saturday to be played, and also for head coach Denny Dowds, his 500th game as a coach, Mm. uh, most of those coming as a head coach. 432. Yeah, 432 as a head coach, but 500 overall. He's been there for nearly 40 years as the head man in charge of the Warriors, so very historic, and maybe Edinburgh, like you said last night in a tweet, uh, can spoil the parade and then – come away with a win they possibly can that's what they're trying to do at going to east stroudsburg um it'll be mr fenner's first time to esu so i'm excited to bring him to there i'm just excited to go to esu in general uh nonetheless it, it should be an interesting game you know and it, as you mentioned if it does rain you know if rain becomes a factor and it slows down that passing game if, if all they're doing is kicking field goals i'm taking austin reese in a field goal kicking competition in this yeah. one but you you know if it comes down to running the ball, you can't really put a lot of stock in Edinburgh running the ball either. I mean, I'd, what do they need to do to fix this, Fenner? I mean, as, as our last point for Borough football, I mean, what do they – is there – I mean, obviously, I, I'm not saying Coach Browdy or company isn't doing or trying to re- figure it out and not saying you have the answer, but – I've got the keys to the car, yeah. I'm not saying you know and he doesn't, but yeah. something's got to get figured out quick. I think it's got to be a change in personnel. Uh, this is the second straight week where you could say maybe Corey Bell wasn't fatigued. Well, I don't really care about that being the only point. It's 18 carries for 36 yards. I mean, that's that's not going to get it done. That's two yards a play. My on the dad ground. wouldn't be fatigued if he yeah. ran 18 carries for 36 yards. He's a 55-year-old, 200-pound man. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, Jamal Evelar, we talked about how much is he going to get look-wise. Only four carries. Uh, he had six for 66 in the open on one drive and only gets right. four touches. Maybe it's not him necessarily. Maybe it's Robert Bell. Maybe it's Ryan Harkness. Maybe it's Nick Barlett. I mean, I don't know. But there, there's got to be some sort of change, I think. Excuse me, I think, unless uh, unless Corey comes out and starts out the game really well on Saturday. I think you got to shuffle some guys in there. Right, something has to change. So hopefully maybe that change will happen there. Um, we should touch on, though, that Sisson, you know, did get hurt at the end of the game, which we said. So we'll talk to Coach Browning about that tomorrow, hopefully. We'll get an injury update on Mr. Sisson, and hopefully he will be back at under center for the Scots on Saturday. And, of course, that game was a 105 kickoff from the campus of East Stroudsburg University, as Mr. Fenner and I will have the call for you right here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio, also on the Keystone Sports Network. What are we on, 92. Seven three seven, just seven. Ninety two seven FM, thirteen seventy AM. Right, so that's ESPN and Erie and 
something in the AM and Corey or something like that. Anyway, the Keystone Sports Network's got us as well. So make sure you listen to that one as the Scots hit the road for the first time. It's also on the Sports Fever Network as well, which is why it's a 105 kick. Um, maybe they're doing a little pregame ceremony too with the 800th game. We'll figure that one out when we get over there. So nonetheless, we'll talk bro football as the week progresses and gets closer and closer to that matchup. Um, but we're going to hit our second break here as we're going to come back. Mr. Fender's going to stick around and we're going to talk NFL. He's hyped up. Tubby's going to come back into the fold and we'll talk to Browns. He's not as hyped up. So we'll talk about that and more as the morning after hits the National Football League on the other side. Back here on the morning after 9.39. Oh, my goodness. I don't get paid enough for this nonsense. Thank God the that. mics aren't on in the breaks. I'm just I'll, saying. I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm speechless, I swear. I, I think I'm going to go run out and run of those milling trucks at the moment <laughs> after what was just said. <laughs> Tubby, see, Tubby, you say stuff like Survivor Edinburgh that just makes me like, this is why I'm keeping you around. And then you say stuff like you did on the break is like, I don't even want to talk to you. <laughs> Nonetheless, we're going to go to Bur- – that's the third time I've said that word today. i got to stop saying that. Anyway, we're going to fo- Sunday, NFL football. Finally, football counts on Sundays. I'm excited. The NFL is really, really back. You know, it still didn't feel like it was back because it was just a Thursday nighter. But now it's Sunday, all day football. Now it reminds me. Now I feel like I'm back in fall. I'm back in the school mode. It felt like fall over the weekend. It was kind of cold. I didn't like it at all. Anyway, football's back. If you're in the Erie market and you don't have the, the red zone, speaking of which, Mr. Fenner, I was thinking of you yesterday. Were you? Yes. I know you, you're your family, you know, you're, you, the Fenners, they're, they're well off. Um, so you guys had, had, like, you guys have a Sunday red zone package, right? NFL Sunday ticket on DirecTV. Have, right. So you, you, uh, you got all the games at your disposal, but now, now you don't live at home anymore. So did you go home? No. I actually got it on my computer. So, the, so it, part of the package is you can get it on, on, a, on a laptop? Unfortunately, I didn't find this out until about one ten yesterday. Uh, you got to pay an extra 25 bucks to get it online, additionally. So, you, so I was so not happy about that. I had to foot that bill. You, you put the extra 25 bucks up for gotta. it. No, you don't. I did. There are other sites available. <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, listen. But you have your illegal sites that give you, like, one game. No. They are not illegal. Okay, you have your other... Suspicious sites that give you games, but he's got one direct TV that can give him everything. It's pretty nice too. You can toggle around. You can go. You can click on game to game real quick. Pretty, I can do that too, good. as long as I open up as many screens as I want. I just got one one tab open. Whatever. I'm not paying for it. Why buy the cow when you get the milk for free? That's all I'm saying. That's what I was thinking about. You. I was like, I wonder if Fetter is stuck watching what game on cable, or if he's doing that. There are some weekends I'm sure I'll go home on a Sunday, though. I wasn't asking that question. I don't really care. <laughs> just, just ask what you're doing for football. Because it's such a well, far drive. For right, yeah. to go home. Oh, I got to go to Gerard. Sheesh. I wasn't complaining. <sighs> Gerard, it's so far. Oh, my gosh. Far. Let's get into the game. Dude, as long as East it. Normal Street's open, he'll be on time, though. Right. But anyway, if you <laughs> had to watch it like on cable like me and you don't get to toggle around the different games throughout the country... You were watching the Packers-Bears, or you had to watch the Browns-Jets. So I started off watching the, the Browns-Jets game, mm-hmm. which probably was reg- 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 regrettable. Yes. I mean, I thought the Packers-Bears, because the reason I watched Browns-Jets is I, want, I thought that team, you know, they were going to give us more. You know, I thought I was going to learn more about that team, and that was exciting for about a quarter. 
Johnny Manziel came in. Now it's exciting. Um, but the final score, Jets 31, Browns 10. Todd Bowles gets his first head coaching victory in his head coaching debut. Johnny Manziel finishes 13 for 24, 182 yards, a touchdown. How many picks did he finish with? I think he had three. A hat trick of picks. That's solid for Johnny Manziel. So, Tubby, the Cleveland Brown enthusiast enthusiast that you are, mm-hmm. give me your take. Okay. Um, let's see. Our now remember, we have 18 minutes left in the show, and I want to get to a lot of other stuff, so don't right. you know, right. give me I'll do it real quick. Here. So our offensive line that was supposed to be so heralded and so good was bad. It was horrible. It couldn't open up the holes. Isaiah Crowell could not get going. We never established the run. Um, McCown was dumb as heck trying to make that, trying to make something happen, trying to force it. And it's, it's just part of Cleveland. These players show up and they try to make stuff happen. It was totally unnecessary. First drive of the game. He was so close. All he had to do was go down and we could have kicked the field goal anyway. You know, I mean, it was too early for those type of heroics. Johnny came in, looked like a backup quarterback, tried to do his best. I did see him be unselfish and give himself up on slides, which is Unjohnny like, um, he I did saw have, one time where he just fell down. Yeah, I he saw a few flopped. times where he got sacked and stripped. But um, I mean, it, it's okay. I, it depends on how long McCown's out. Will be how long we see Johnny. I think they go back to McCown if he's cleared to play. But then he's in that NFL concussion um, series or whatever, so it's out of the Browns' hands. Like it's just whenever he clears. So I'm thinking at least we see Johnny for three more games. Yes. Um, also, another sad note was our secondary, the Brown secondary that was supposed to be so great. Um, Joe Hayden, my boy, Mighty Mouse, got burnt. Brandon Marshall had a day. Yeah, and <laughs> and like Joe Hayden just got lit up like one of Josh Gordon's left-handed cigarettes. I mean, it was bad. It was so bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's just bad, and I think we'll get. I don't know. I so got is fail for Cardale back on. Oh gosh, don't even start. <sighs> Not you. I just I, that whole idea. I I can't. What do you I mean? You were uh, laying for a Marcus or car, laying like a carcass for Marcus all last year. I know, but Cleveland's doing it every year. It seems it's not. Tennessee's well, not doing that all the time. One way. No, get, no, no. Last year we tried to win. One of these days they'll get That's it right. True. Last year we actually tried to win something, but yeah, I they'll don't get it right. One of these days. I don't know. I just. I got to give it up at this point because Fenner and I need to talk about this weekend coming up. Well, we got time. To I, talk I put about it over me. I put, I put it past. Put me. it this way. When do they play? Sunday. Yeah. Well, Fenner will be back on. I know, Friday. but Fenner, Fenner's a busy man. I mean, I'm not going to see him till Friday, and then by the time we get into Friday, we're talking East Stroudsburg and how Burrow's going to roll in there and smash him. Are you going to watch this one? I'm going to make every best Don't effort. Don't even start. <laughs> All right, Mr. Let me Fenner. ask my wife. Let's go to the Titans game, which was later on in the day. Hey, um, you, you don't have to. I can talk other games if you I'm want. Just, I, I want to start with you two and your fandoms. Yeah, and then go into some other games. Titans forty-two, Bucks fourteen. Uh, Marcus Mariota with four touchdowns, all of which come in the first um, first half. First half. Mm-hmm. Um, the, James Winston's first pass as a NFL quarterback, pick six. And believe it or not, if you're scrolling on ESPN, top performer in this game of pass, it lists Jameis Winston, who was 16 for 33, 210 yards, two touchdowns. So Jameis Winston, first time, has lost consecutive games for the first time since 2009 when he was in high school. And his only college and pro losses have come to the one, the only Marcus Mariota. So, Mr. Fenner, when did you come down from cloud nine yesterday? I still don't think I have. Fully. You still don't have you have? Yeah, because after watching my team win two games last year and with just abysmal quarterback play, 
uh, that was something I didn't see coming. I actually watched with one of my best friends who's a Tampa Bay fan, and I told him after the game, I said, this was either going to go Bucks big or either of these two teams close. I never thought Tennessee was going to do something like that. Uh, but Marcus Mariota, maybe he could be the real deal. And I had my doubts when they made the pick. I wanted them to trade it. But this guy looks for real right now. And I think the one thing that was really glaring to me was the way they ran their offense. They showed next to nothing in the preseason in four weeks. He played all four games, and they looked incredibly vanilla. I didn't see any of that formation-wise or execution-wise Yes, in yesterday's game. They showed a lot of what they can do in terms of those uh, pop passes especially. You saw that on the very first drive, a 52-yard touchdown to Kendall Wright. Uh, right. with, with a play action, it was completely effective, and Tampa Bay had no answer for it. And that's not a bad Tampa Bay defense either. I'm going to give them their credit. Their defensive line with Gerald McCoy and company, they're very tough, but they did not have an answer for Mariota yesterday. No, they didn't. And uh, Marcus Mariota, what a great start to the Tennessee Titans' career. And uh, the Titans are 1-0. They were, they were, I saw someone tweeted out they were the first-place Titans before they even played because everyone else lost in the division. So they were nothing-nothing. First time since 2008, they are alone at the top of the AFC South. They made the playoffs that year as a 13-3 and team. You better cut that out of the paper today. I'm just saying. Just saying. It's only week one, but something to be excited about. Something to be excited about. The Titans are at the hopeful top of the division. Hopeful Fenner is hopeful. Right, right. So uh, let's go around. So, I mean, we talked Browns. We talked Jets. That was a local team. I mean, let's go to the other one. This is probably has to be the biggest upset of the day, I would say. Bills 27, Colts 14. That's a statement. Man. I told you not to sleep on the Bills. I said it on this show. We can go back through the podcast that are available on edinburgonow.com, <laughs> and I can pick it out and show you. Do not sleep on the Bills. They are ready to go. Tyrod Taylor and company taking care of business. But Andrew Luck, 26 of 49, 243 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Carlos Williams running the ball for Buffalo, six carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown. Um, man. And, I mean, Colts were shut out in the first half. So, I mean, both their po- or all their points only came in the second half after the Bills were already up 17-0 on Indianapolis. This team was in the AFC Championship game last year and now is just being embarrassed by Buffalo in Buffalo in the opening week of the season. Should we? Should Colts fans be worried? Are we, yes. are we freaking out or is this – like? Yes. Are, I don't know how, how I should react to this game. Are we we're, Is it because we were sleeping too much on the Bills, or is it we were overrating the Colts? A little bit of both, I believe. And the problem with the, with the Colts is that offensive line is trash. I mean, they, they need to – I don't know what they need to do. They need to pick somebody up, get a new O-line coach, something. But they are not what Andrew Luck needs. And they couldn't, they couldn't even get the uh, – they didn't really even get the running game going. Hard no. to when you're down big, but I agree. But Frank Gore didn't look good at all in his first game. As yeah, a but no. you got to with Andrew Luck. You got to be two dimensional. I mean, you got to have the the run opens the pass, the pass opens the run, mm-hmm. and if you don't have that type of support for Andrew Luck, you're just not going to get there. This is not how you get the job done. Whereas Ursay said, "What did he say last year? We're building a monster." Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think they built a lamb. A Here's lame my take on the lamb. Colts. Uh, you still can't sleep on this team considering their division. It's the AFC South. Right. I'm a Titans fan, and I'm saying that honestly. Let's let's really get down right. into it. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville, Tennessee, are they really threats? Is Houston offensively a threat? Not really. This is still the Colts' division until someone says otherwise and grabs it away from them. 
I think you're looking at one of the worst matchups they're going to see all season long. The Buffalo defense is the real deal. I mean, this was a top five, I think top two defense last year. Their pass defense is incredible. And I think outside of the two matchups with Houston, Indianapolis is not going to see a matchup like this in the regular season again. So give the credit where it's due to Buffalo because that defense is legit. Marcel Darius is getting paid up front for a reason, pressuring you know in the backfield, wreaking havoc. Um, and give the Bills the credit because I think this team – Think about how big of a win this is, though. Not only to start 1-0, but you're playing the AFC South as your AFC crossover division. You just took out the best team in that division in Week 1. You right. still get to face Jacksonville, Tennessee, and Houston throughout the year, along with your own divisional matchups and then uh, NFC games as well. So, I mean, that's that's critical for the Bills to start out so strong. So the Bills do start out 1-0. The Rex Ryan era in Buffalo goes off just as they would have hoped with a win for uh, the Bills as they continue on into this, the 2015 season. I think everything else was kind of status quo as far as scores. Nothing really stood out too much. Um, How about as, the Rams? As far as that one, except you've got to get to an except there, Mr. Fenner. I'm just sorry. let me let me get there. The I really Rams, like that game, though. The I, Rams I really 34-31 over the Seahawks in overtime. I'm pissed because I don't get the toggle. And, you know, so they showed me. I hate when they take you. You're done with your 1 o'clock game. They take you to the end of another game. But then it's 425, 426. And then they're like, well, NFL rules state that we gotta, we can't show you the end of this game. We got to take you to your next. I didn't have another game. So it's not like you got to get me to another game. You had to take me to Kurt Menefee, Terry Bradshaw, and company in the studio. You can't show me four more minutes of this overtime NFL? No. Why not? What is the problem with showing me the rest of an out-of-market game? Because... Goodell is evil. And, and that's the cleanest I can say it's right ridiculous. now. It's ridiculous. What is the like, word I want to say? Like, I'm right sure now. if there's a rule, there's got to be a reason. But why is there a rule? I mean, they've always done that. It's, a, it's because of the markets. Because, like, each each. I stage, don't care about the no, highlights. Listen, the highlights no, listen, wait. I want to watch the game I'm going on to now. I'm trying to impart some knowledge on you. If you just calm down, you hyper little squirrel. Look, here's the deal. When you have a 1 o'clock game, it only goes for so long, and then after that, the other station takes over whoever has the late game. Some Sundays it's Fox where they have the doubleheader. Was no late game. The other su- there was a late game because CBS had the late game. Okay. That's what I'm saying. You right. have to switch over at that point. If you're only contracted to have a game from 1 to 4, that's it. You're done. Cuts you off. You can have all the studio talk you want, but that's it. 34-31. So Rams win this one. Right now. Nick Foles, he's 18 mad about for 27, 297 yards, one touchdown in his Rams debut. Jeff Fisher wins this one, or Nick Foles' debut, and Jeff Fisher, uh, you know, in his second year at the Rams, wins this one. The Seahawks 0-1, and what about that kick off? Was that it? Onside kick? Pete Carroll says it wasn't. Do you believe him? Yeah, I think that was a miscue. I think that was a mistake. I think that was not a mistake. To definitely, that regardless. I mean, but it's just like kind of another Seahawks game where you kind of, where it ends and you're kind of just scratching your head. You're like, what were you thinking, yeah. Pete Carroll? I don't know. Uh, going back though, this game never should have gone to overtime. St. Louis had control of this game. I had a really good feeling about the Rams coming in this week. I had a feeling they were gonna, yeah. if not win, really make it tough on Seattle, and they did just that, uh, yeah. getting the win in overtime as well. But being up twenty four thirteen. You know, Russell Wilson, give him credit. They they rallied the troops. They they had some great drives uh, to get this thing knotted up and then to eventually take the lead, 31-24. It looked kind of grim, but Nick Foles still able to get it done. Uh, brought, brought this offense back. No Todd Gurley. 
for his debut. No Trey Mason. They were down to Benny Cunningham, their third running back. Who? Exactly. Uh, two stars that were out at the tailback spot for St. Louis, and they still put up 34 points. Tavon Austin really came to play. A couple really big runs uh, in the return game and on the ground, even though he's a wide receiver. Uh, didn't do a whole lot there, but still very effective as kind of a special teams ace for this Rams team. Impressive win in week one. Absolutely. It just seems like, you know, the, the Seahawks don't know what they're doing against the Rams, or the Rams always have the Seahawks number. Either way, you want to look at it there. But another game I want to touch on for Sunday was the Sunday Nighter. Uh, Dallas survives 27-26 over the Giants. I had this game on while I was working on things, and I really didn't intently watch it until the final, like, four minutes of the fourth quarter. But wow. I mean, it seems like all the time with Dallas games, Dallas Eagles, Dallas Giants, it always comes down to the end. And Tony Romo, I don't care if I'm an Eagles fan or not. If I needed someone to lead me down to victory in the fourth quarter, there is like three quarterbacks I'm taking. One of them is Tony Romo. Has to be. Since 2006, his uh, first year starting as a Dallas Cowboy, most fourth quarter comebacks with 28. Oh. What? Yeah, you got to you got to you got to give credit where credit's due, Tubby. Tony Romo, 36 for 45, 356 no, yards, listen, three touchdowns. Listen. Game-winning drives, I should correct myself. Listen, Romo is that guy. Romo's like that hot hot girl at the bar. Now I know that Tyler you're He's a been bit a hot right. girl since 2006. No, listen, you just hear listen, those? Listen, calm down. Calm, let me finish the analogy. All right. Okay. Romo is like the hot girl at the bar. She's chatting you up, you're buying her drinks all night. You think it's actually going to start as a relationship. And then right at the end of the night, her bigger buffer boyfriend comes in and takes her home. And there you are, broke and alone. Because why? Because always when it comes down to the end, when it comes down to closing the deal, Romo chokes. Like a kid trying to eat a Philly cheesesteak too fast. He just chokes. Did you watch the game last night? He didn't yeah. choke. He came in great that's, at the That's end. early in the season. He looks great now, like I'm saying. He's getting your hopes up. Come the end of the season, he won't be there. Well, I'm talking about week one. I'm talking about that game last night. Yeah, Tony Romo, I said, he right, he that's, does choke. It's just part He's of the buildup. He's choked. But what I'm saying, what <laughs> I'm, I'm saying is it. if I needed to win a game, regardless of whether it was the Super Bowl, week one, exhibition, I'm taking Tony Romo Put down to the most Kool-Aid. likely him or Tom Brady to lead me down. Put down the Kool-Aid and step away. Listen, all I'm saying is the person that choked last night was Eli Manning. Yeah. True. Fall down. Fall Minute down. 37 left. Fall True. down. That's and I don't know why say. you're not running the ball anyway to begin with. But at least Tony Dungy made a good point in the postgame, though. Even if you're going to throw it and you think you got a chance to, to complete that pass for a touchdown, that's fine. But if you don't have it, if he's not open, right. go down. You don't throw that's it away because there was no one there. Exactly. So that was a clear throwaway. It's so not just like drop there was yourself. Take pass. a sack, lose the 40 seconds. You're fine. You had to do that. That was unbelievable by him, and that is a completely mental error because it was 137. You run 40 seconds off of that. You got 58 seconds left. The Cowboys are going to have to go the distance. With no timeouts. With no timeouts. Instead, they had a minute and 37 to go the distance. That's a huge chunk of time. Mm -hmm. So last night, the person that choked, Tubby, was Eli Manning. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you. I I understand. I I understand what you're saying. I've seen Tony Romo choke, but right now, he was the hero last night. Right. I'm just not buying it. The Giants were left baffled. That was a really bizarre game, though, between time of possession and the turnovers. turnovers. I mean, 
17 right. points off of turnovers. And I thought Bill Vinovich was going to fight the game clock operator. Like He was like, <laughs> I am setting this and this at the same time, and on my wind, you're going to start it. So he sets it to 40, and then he just starts going. Yeah. And he's like, no, on my wind. Like, he just stared that guy down on national television. It's one of the first times I think I've heard an official not say please either for resetting the game clock or resetting the play clock. He says thank you, though. He yeah. always says thank you, yeah. but he didn't say please. You're I right. I was very intrigued by that, too. Well, that's that was, his crew. That he, he's, he's laying down the law. It's... My and what show. game was it? was the Denver game. Gene Steratore's crew got a guy got a broken collarbone. Did you see that? He yeah, just got drilled on the sidelines. Yes, yeah, carted stuff. off, broken collarbone. It's a dangerous world out there in officiating. You know, I mean, they get paid decently, but man, you got to watch out. Broken collarbone. You're he's done for the year. I, I know we got two minutes left, and we were talking about the NFL. But real quick, can we touch on the Friday night game between Meadville and, and Dubois? Dubois. Holy right, cheese and crackers! Line. Right here in our own in our own hometown, national storyline was at 107 to 90. Mm-hmm. They they yep. They Brown runs for 700 and, 720 yards, I believe, and ten touchdowns. And ten touchdowns. The opposing quarterback throws for seven seven thirty. I want to say something like that. Heck of a in lot. His first ever start as a sophomore. First, yeah. in high school. Unbelievable. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's now, it's never going to get any better than that. No. Did the defense just not show up? I mean. I mean, the fans had to be thinking they were watching, like, a tennis match. I mean, I would have came yeah, out of that match with whiplash. Yeah. I mean, I was watching the, I was watching the, uh, the Titusville versus Warren game that night, and, uh, but I was checking my phone, and holy crackers the way it was coming through on my phone. I was like, are you serious right now? Absolute insanity. That was an interesting one. Maybe we'll touch on that tomorrow with Chewy, see if he knows what's going on. We'll talk about that. The birds tonight, Monday night football. That's a lock. Eagles season starts. I'm getting amped for that. Hopefully I'll come in as excited as Fenner. And on time. Thank you all for tuning in here this morning on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Chewy and I will be back dissecting a bird's win. Have a great day.